0: Welcome to a special bonus episode of The GOAT, Tom Brady. I'm Gary Myers, and this is Bonus Episode 1, Can Brady Run the Table? Six rings, three MVPs, but as we head into Week 14, Tom Brady finds himself 7-5 in second place in the NFC South and fighting for one of the three NFC wildcard spots. When we last saw Brady before Tampa's bye week, he was on the sidelines watching the Chiefs run out the clock on a 27-24 victory. Tampa made it close after falling behind 17-0 in the first quarter and played well enough after that to wonder if things might finally be starting to fall in place. Would it really be that surprising to find Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs and Tom Brady's Buccaneers meeting again in Tampa in Super Bowl 55? On the broadcast, CBS's Tony Romo even suggested it. On this first of our bonus episodes of The GOAT, Tom Brady, we'll take a break from the past and look at what's going on in real time. Does the GOAT have one more magical running in at the age of 43? So let's get started. What's the worst marriage of all time? Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphries? Mike Tyson and Robin Givens? Donald Trump and Marla Maples? Madonna and Sean Penn? Or this year's NFL odd couple, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians? Can the Bucks, a trendy pick for the Super Bowl a few months ago, get their stuff together over the season's final four weeks with an easy schedule, make the playoffs, and get on a run in January to become the first team to play the Super Bowl on its home field. In a little bit, I will bring in Hall of Fame coaches Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower to offer their insight. But I'm not going to wait to give you my opinion in the who-gets-the-blame game. I put it directly on Bruce Arians. And although Brady has at times made uncharacteristically bad decisions and bad throws, the Bucs coach has not put him in the best position to succeed. When you sign the GOAT, especially an old GOAT, you structure the offense to focus on what he does best. Keep the throws within 25 yards and between the numbers with an occasional deep ball. Develop and establish a strong running game. Lots of play action to freeze the linebackers and motion to catch the defense in a mismatch. Adjust the scheme to match the personnel. Don't force the personnel to fit the scheme. Brady has won Super Bowls with offensive talent not even close to what's been assembled in Tampa, but he had the benefit of Bill Belichick. The Bucs, however, just line up with one back Three wide receivers and a tight end, and rarely create deception. That's Arian's offense. Brady simply lines up in the shotgun or under center, reads the defense, takes his three, five, or seven stop drop, and then so many times it appears he's just chucking the ball down the field inside and outside the numbers rather than looking at his underneath the receivers. Wait, what? How does that make any sense? That's Arians' no-risk-it, no-biscuit offense, a high-risk, high-reward approach. Yet, Brady this season has thrown some of the worst and most inexplicable interceptions of his career. If Arians is indeed the quarterback whisperer, as he bragged in the title of his book, let me ask this loud and clear, what the heck is he doing? Is he that stubborn? Has he not watched what Brady has done best over the last two decades? He has a strong arm, but he doesn't throw it like Patrick Mahomes, and that's not gonna change. And as much as he's defied age and NFL history, he still is 43 years old. I asked Jimmy Johnson, who won two Super Bowls in his five seasons with the Cowboys, if he thought Brady and the Bucs were underachieving.
1: I don't know that they're underachieving. I I don't know that they have met expectations, though. You know, Tom Brady, you know, was such a great player. He's still an outstanding player, but had such a great career at New England. And, you know, when you see the collection of talent with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, there was a lot of speculation that, oh, boy, this is going to be a Super Bowl team. Uh, but it doesn't happen that fast. Uh, it's taken time for him to adjust to that style of offense and to those players, especially not having an off season and not having many camps. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, taking some time. I think they have played good, uh, but the expectation was that they play great.
0: One very accomplished former head coach that I spoke to, not Johnson or Cower told me that arian's approach to the running game is a joke that he doesn't change his approach for anybody including brady and making it worse he said arian's reputation is that he's not a grinder who puts in the long hours and in his opinion he has one foot out the door which essentially means the second one isn't far behind pretty damning the former coach also says brady is not what he was and as a result needs Arians to help him with a running game and scheming short to mid-range completions, which is not happening enough with Arians enamored with the home run ball. He even said of Brady having a deal with Arians, quote, I feel sorry for the poor bastard, unquote. Wow. Arians worked for Bill Cowher as his receivers coach with the Steelers from 2004 to 2006. And they won a Super Bowl together, and they still talk all the time. I asked Coach Cower how hard it's been for Arians to adapt his offense to Brady.
2: I personally think the two of them, Tom and Bruce, talked Brutus well before he went down there. Um, uh, They've both been in this league a very long period of time. Uh, Tom Brady didn't go down there with uh, any disillusions, I don't think. I think he knew it was going to be. You know we'll see how uh, uh how it kind of evolves um bruce likes to throw it down the field tom did that very early in his career uh lately you know the, the offense he had up in new england was more of a short passing game because of the, the personnel he had so you know i think from tom's perspective from bruce's perspective they're they're working together um and like i said i think it's a, it's a work in progress i i don't think i could sit there and say it's been a disappointment at all um, I think you're looking at uh, you know, a, a quarterback who's getting to know receivers and they're adding receivers and you know, bringing Antonio Brown in there and you know, bringing Gronk in there. I think you had an unusual offseason where you really have as much time to work together as Tom would have liked to work together. So the process probably has taken a little bit longer than anticipated, but um, I still think it's a work in progress. I think they both are working through the, you know, um, the inconsistencies, and uh, I think they're both actually on the same page.
0: It would seem to me that it would be more incumbent upon Bruce to adjust to Tom than Tom to adjust to Bruce. And the only reason I say that, Bill, is that Bruce knew exactly what he was getting in Tom. And if he didn't want to adjust his offense to Tom, why even bring him in? Now, I guess you could say the same. Why would Tom go there knowing what Bruce's offense is? But I think that Tom has been more successful running his offense in New England then Bruce has been successful, more successful than Bruce has been. What's your feeling about that? I mean, who should have been making the adjustments here? Uh,
2: see, I, I don't think it should have to be one or the other. I think what you're looking at is two men who have run two different offenses and they're in the process of working through What's in the best interest of the team? They have. Okay. I don't think it's a total commitment need to be made by one or the other, and so um, I think Tom again didn't go did go in there with any disillusions about what he's walking into. Um, you know, I think they're again they're working through it, and uh, I think actually they're both on the same page. Tom Brady is the way he is because he loves challenges. He loves to be pushed. Um, he he is the ultimate competitor. Um, you know, he, he's, you call him the goat, and I would call him that. And the reason he's been that way is he holds himself to a higher standard. He just, He's not afraid of challenges. Um, he's not afraid of taking the criticism that goes with, with being accountable for, for your play. Um, I respect that about him. So I think they're definitely on the same page. I think sometimes the perception we have of it is we're looking and seeing, looking for something. But a lot of times the noise on the outside is a lot bigger than the noise on the inside.
0: You're listening to a special episode of the GOAT, Tom Brady. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, so where do Brady and the Bucks stand in the playoff race with four games left? The Bucks trail the Saints, who are 10-2 by three games in the NFC South. And since the Saints swept the Bucks, they also own the tiebreaker meaning the Bucks would have to win their last four with the Saints losing their last four for Tampa to win the division. That's not happening. If the Bucks are going to make it to Super Bowl 55, they will have to win three playoff games on the road to get back home for the Super Bowl. Going into week 14, they are the NFC's number two wildcard team. And if the season ended today, which of course it doesn't, they would play the Rams in the wildcard round in Los Angeles. The Bucks are in excellent position to get a wildcard spot, especially if they beat the 6-6 six and six Vikings at home on Sunday. Is it realistic the Bucs could win three playoff games in a row on the road? With so many new pieces, this is a team that figured to get better as the season went on. It's either now or see you in 2021. Brady made the playoffs 17 times in New England, each time the Patriots were AFC champions. He never made the playoffs as a wildcard team and didn't get to the Super Bowl the four times the Patriots failed to earn a first-round bye. So if Brady is looking to achieve something he has yet to do in his career, the challenge is right there in front of him. He's also trying to join his buddy and former number one rival, Peyton Manning, as the only quarterbacks to start and win Super Bowls for two different franchises. Cowher knows from experience, winning the Super Bowl as a wild card team in 2005, that the Bucs are not in an impossible position.
2: We were seven and five in 2005, and we got pushed to a point we lost three in a row, and it kind of brought out the very best of us. So. You know, I don't think we can sit here and, and, and try to quantify their season based on 12 games. Right. See how this thing plays out, and we'll go from there.
0: Cowher's team in 2005 lost three in a row and then won their last four regular season games and went into the playoffs with momentum and then won four more games, culminating in a Super Bowl 40 victory against the Seahawks. The Bucks have now lost two in a row to the Rams and Chiefs and play the Vikings at home, then go to Atlanta and Detroit and finish with Atlanta at home. The combined record of their last four opponents is only 19 and 29. Now back to Brady. His passing game is based on getting the ball out of his hand quickly and having a productive slot receiver who is always open, like he had with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman in New England. He certainly has those options in Tampa with Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Scotty Miller but they need to be incorporated more into Arians' offense. Another coach told me Arians never second guesses himself on anything, so he's not questioning his approach or questioning his decision to sign Tom Brady. Yet another coach told me Brady had the luxury of playing in a disciplined system in New England for Belichick, who he called the greatest coach of all time. On the other hand, the Bucs are an undisciplined penalty machine. Even so, I'm hearing from insiders that the reported friction between Arians and Brady really doesn't exist, that they are focused on a strong finish, but clearly the results have been disappointing. Again, if you're going to bring in the GOAT after he's basically put out to pasture by Belichick, then put your ego aside, run what the GOAT does best, and what is best for the team. If Arians is indeed married to No Risk It No Biscuit, Rather than Brady's high percentage, low risk approach, then the Bucs should not have signed him. At one point in this season, Brady missed 22 consecutive passes of 20 yards or more. But in Arians' defense, that included some wide open throws. Just based on their resumes, Arians should defer to Brady. Let's compare. Tom has been to nine Super Bowls, won six, and been the Super Bowl MVP four times, all are NFL records. Arians has been on the staff of two Super Bowl championship teams as the Steelers' wide receiver coach in 2005 and the Steelers' offensive coordinator in 2010. The edge, of course, goes to Brady. The Bucs have gone on a three-game winning streak twice this season, but losses to the Rams and Chiefs at home before the bye last weekend gave them their first two-game losing streak. In their most recent game, they fell behind the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs 17-0 before losing 27-24. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles didn't adjust the single coverage on Kansas City wide receiver Tyreek Hill until it was much too late. Hill had seven catches, 203 yards, receiving, and two touchdowns in the first quarter. That was much too much of a disadvantage for Brady to overcome. However, the Bucks' 38-3 loss to the Saints at home in early November was the most one-sided of Brady's career, and he was as much at fault as anybody. His quarterback rating was 40.4. His career quarterback rating is 96.9. But he outplayed Aaron Rodgers in a victory over the Packers in the sixth game of the season, so although his skill set has no doubt diminished, it has not disappeared. Against the Packers and Raiders, Brady made a statement that 43 is the new 33. In some of the bad losses, 43 looked like the new 53. In those games, Brady's passes lack zip and accuracy, and he's had happy feet in the pocket. His decision-making, always his strength, seemed out of whack in those losses. Brady has had trouble getting the offense untracked early, and as a result, the Bucs are often playing from behind. Tom has been an easy target this season for the Brady haters who are tired of watching him win in New England and he's even provided them some additional ammunition this season he showed bad sportsmanship after losing to the Bears and Rams by not shaking hands with Nick Foles and Jared Goff as they waited for him at midfield after the game instead he made a quick exit to the locker room That was really a bad look. He can't even blame the pandemic protocols because just six days after stiffing Goff, he was shaking hands with Mahomes after losing to the Chiefs. Brady and Arians did not sign a prenuptial agreement. The only agreement was Brady's two-year, $50 million contract was fully guaranteed. Even so, this seemed like a shotgun wedding. The 68-year-old Arians, the second-oldest coach in the NFL, paired with Brady, the oldest player in the league. Arians knew he wasn't winning the Super Bowl with Jameis Winston, who threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions last season, and Brady took one look at the depleted roster in New England and the embarrassment of riches of wide receivers in Tampa and moved into Derek Jeter's house in Tampa before the ink on the rental lease was dry. The biggest story in the NFL before the season opened is still the biggest story, where Brady and Arians each two set in their ways to allow their contrasting offensive philosophies to mesh. They each knew what they were getting into when they walked down the aisle. It's way too late for an annulment, but with the Bucs coming off their bye to play the Vikings, it will be interesting to see if their self-scouting during the time off pinpoints what has and has not worked so far, and if adjustments are made will result in Brady being more consistent and efficient down the stretch. You're listening to a special episode of The GOAT, Tom Brady. We'll be back in a moment. Brady is obsessive about preparation. The lack of an offseason prevented him from getting in the work with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brate, O.J. Howard, and Ronald Jones. He did run a couple of ill-advised workouts during the pandemic that drew a lot of criticism. Those were held at a Tampa high school. He was trying to make up for lost time before training camp. The Bucs have Jones, a very good running back. Hey, he had a 98-yard touchdown run in Carolina a few weeks ago. But there are weeks Arian just ditches the running game too early and forgets about Jones. He's carried the ball 10 times or fewer, five times. The Bucks signed Leonard Fournette as a complement to Jones, but he's been pretty much a non-factor so far. Brady has also underutilized the super-talented Evans, who he has endorsed as a Hall of Fame receiver. They've had a hard time developing chemistry, other than on one-yard fade passes in the end zone. Evans does have 11 touchdown catches, one short of his career high. The Bucks signed Rob Gronkowski before the season, bringing him out of his one-year retirement, and Antonio Brown during the season at Brady's request. Gronk has been more productive lately, but Brown hasn't done very much. Brady was conditioned to criticism from Bill Belichick in New England, but was always in a team meeting or on the practice field, never in public. Belichick never criticizes any of his players in public. Arians is honest and unfiltered in his press conferences and has blamed Brady when he deems it his fault if a play breaks down or a pass is picked off. Brady shrugs it off. If Arians' critiques bother him, he will never admit it. Just to recap here, Brady has thrown 11 interceptions in 474 pass attempts after throwing eight in 631 pass attempts in his last year in New England. Brady is on pace for 632 attempts, which would be just five short of his career high set in 2012 when he was 35 years old he projects to have 14.6 interceptions rounding off to 15. he has thrown a career high 14 in three different seasons he has 28 touchdowns on pace for a very productive 37. as i said earlier brady's going to have to take the long road to get to the super bowl Cowers Steelers did it in 2005 by winning in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Denver, and then beating Seattle in Super Bowl 40. The 2007 Giants won Tampa, Dallas, and Green Bay before beating Brady and the Patriots in Super Bowl 42 to end New England's dream of a perfect 19-0 season. The blueprint is there for Brady and the Bucks to follow. Here's Cowher again.
2: Look where they are they seven and five. Just lost two in a row, and everybody from the outside is counting them out. The only thing about the difference here is when, when we were there, it didn't matter because the noise was a lot bigger on the outside. Inside, we knew what we had to do, and we knew the players we had. So, I wouldn't uh, discount this team quite yet.
0: So, who is to blame for Tampa's sluggish first twelve games? I asked Johnson.
1: I don't know. There should be a blame on anybody. Uh, like I said, you know, they, they have played very good at times. Uh, They've had a couple of disappointments. But uh, I think because of the lack of time together, uh, those disappointments should have been expected. And uh, I fully expect them to continually to get better Uh, even though the season's more than half over, I, I think they're gonna get better as the year goes on. I think they will be a very dangerous playoff team.
0: There's a lot of seasons still to be played in a year that has been anything but normal. Perhaps the bye week gave Brady and Arians a chance to work out the kinks and keep this marriage out of divorce court. And let's not forget this team is not accustomed to winning. The Bucks have not made the playoffs since 2007. The last month, the last four games, and anything that happens in January will be fascinating. I'm Gary Myers, and thanks for listening to our bonus episode of Tom Brady's first season with the Bucks. Check out the next episode of our series, The Goat, Tom Brady, available on Sunday. The Goat, Tom Brady is a production of Diversion Podcast in association with iHeartRadio. This season is written and hosted by me, Gary Myers, executive producers Scott Waxman and Mark Francis for Diversion Podcast and Sean Titone for iHeartRadio. Story editing by Scott Waxman with editorial direction from John Tuttle. Editing, mixing, and sound design by Mark Francis. Archival research by Brianne Murphy. Verna Fields is our technical producer, and our director of marketing and business development is Jacob Bronstein. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. Find Diversion on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Diversion Pods. And let us know what do you think of the show? Send us your questions, your comments, and even your critiques. That's Diversion Pods on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Diversion Podcasts.